Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. You're listening to the Wijha Initiative podcast. These podcast episodes are recordings of our past events that we hold in person on a weekly basis. We hope that by listening to the podcast, you'll be inspired to join us at an event. To keep up with our work, please follow us on Instagram. Alhamdulillah, Rabbil Alameen, wa salatu wa salamu ala Sayyidina Muhammadin wa alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in. Allahumma alimna ma yanfa'una wa anfa'na bima alamtana wa zidna ilman wa amalan ya Rabbil Alameen amma ba'd. So the name of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that we'll be discussing today is Al-Latif. And along with that we'll, we'll speak a little bit about another name that's Related, Ar-Rafiq. Uh, before I start, and there's going to be two main parts. I want to talk first about the meaning of, of the name. And then I want to talk about where in the Qur'an Allah talks about Himself being Al-Latif. In what context and, and what lessons we can take from that. But first I want to ask you guys a question. Uh, you don't have to give me an answer, but you can think about this. Think about somebody that's close to you. Not necessarily the closest friend you have, but someone who is close to you. And think about how they came into your life. How'd you meet them? Like, what happened for you to be able to have met them? And, like, what were the circumstances? Maybe they were very conventional circumstances. Maybe just in school together. But how many of you have friends? Show of hands. How many people have friends that are pretty close, if not the closest, that they met through like unexpected ways? Somewhere where you didn't expect to meet them. You just... And through an, an, like, an, an, an unexpected event or function or avenue, you met them. Or, or think about an occasion, an opportunity that you attended for whatever reason, and from there you met a friend, you met people. Does that happen sometimes? What about meeting somebody, just meeting them, not really getting to know them very well, and then somewhere down the line, it comes full circle and you connect with them again over something, you're like, oh, you're that person, oh, that's crazy. Like that happened this week. On Wednesday, there was a brother here who attended our event from Dallas. It was really weird, because I went to Dallas at the beginning of the year, and I met him there. And we hung out, we had food. When he came, he told me that, well he told me he was here in, in Canada visiting relatives, and I told him, come down. So he said, okay. And then he's like, I have a relative who attends the event. And I was like, oh, I don't know, the, like he said the name, but I was like, I, don't, I can't put a face to it. Because I thought, they're coming from Toronto, where he was staying. So anyways, he comes, we're chilling here, and then that relative of his, his comes into the, into the hall. And, I'm, and he's like, so I said salam to him, and he said, oh, that's my cousin. And I said, no way, because this brother's been attending our events. And he's like, yeah, it's my cousin. It's like, we're, you know, we're going to the wedding right after this. And I was like, it's crazy how it all comes back together. How this brother who I met there, like, otherwise, if I hadn't met him there, then he would have never came, then I would have never connected him to this 
relative of his, and it was just really interesting how it all came together. And then even how I met him, do you know how I met this brother who came from Dallas? I met him because of a friend of mine who I met in South Africa. It's madness. These webs are crazy. Like, look around and think about a friend that you have here that maybe you met somewhere unexpected. And from there, you just struck up a friendship. And think about how, like, opportunities and occasions arise. Like, maybe you had a friend, and that friend one day sent you a link or shared something on their Instagram story. And you're like, oh, I'm interested in that. Some people have full careers take off from that. Oh, that field? That's interesting. And they pursue that field and they go on to work in that field. Over what? Over somebody sharing a post or a picture from an event. Is it, doesn't that happen? And it's crazy. What do we say when all that happens? What do we say when all these types of things happen? What do we call them? What a coincidence. We say, I met them by chance. And, and that's not true. Nothing happens by chance. The believer does not believe in true chance. We can understand unlikeliness. Like, you could not have predicted it. You could not have planned it that way. Like, what about spouses and how they meet each other? You ever heard any crazy stories? Like, just random stuff that you just would never expect? Like, yeah, you know, my brother played basketball with him one time, and then he came home, and he was just talking to him on Instagram, and I saw the picture, and I was like, yo, who's that? And then boom, boom, and next thing I know, he's in my class at school. It's like, what? How does that all come together? You can't plan that. How many things in your, and this is the interesting thing, how many things have you planned in your life, and somewhere along the line, during your plans, there was a detour that you didn't plan, and, and you just went some other way, and then the rest is history, we say. We say the rest is history. Like, I, didn't, I couldn't plan that. It's, it's really interesting how things happen in our lives. The name Al-Latif that we're talking about today, we could translate it as the one who is gentle. The one, the being who is gentle in his dealings with his servants. Or we could translate, translate it as the one who is subtle. Who is subtle in the way that they deal with their servants. And that's the meaning that I'm referring to more here. How Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has brought people into our lives. And I say that, we didn't, we didn't seek them out. Allah brought them into our lives. Like, I can keep giving examples, but I want to give examples because I want us to really understand how, how little we plan. How many of you became really good friends in school with the person sitting beside you? Why? You didn't pick to sit there, right? You didn't choose to sit there. You probably, maybe you didn't even want to sit there while I got stuck with this dude. He turned out to be a pretty good dude. Became good friends with him. Right? You started going and hanging out on the weekends with her. These things happen. And, and these friendships go on. And then sometimes we base our decisions on them. Oh, they're going to that school. I'm going to go there too. They're doing that program. I'm going to do it too. You didn't plan all that. You didn't plan that. How many of you, here's another way now. Here we can talk about the fourth dimension of the human being. So you've got three-dimensional humans. You've got the fourth dimension. Some authors refer to it as the fourth dimension. 
How many of you have had your decisions? And if anybody's hand stays down, you're lying through your teeth in the chicken. How many of you have seen some post on social media which influenced a decision? Oh, we gotta go eat there. We gotta go check that out. Oh, they, they went there? Oh, I gotta go there. How many people? Come on, show of hands. It's honesty hour now. Everybody, everybody's gotta put their hands up here. Right? Even if it was just someone's trying a new drink. Oh, I gotta try that drink out. Someone's saying, gotta, you know, drink oat milk. I gotta drink oat milk. Right? Or not. Um, isn't it? You didn't plan that. And then it became your favorite food. And it became the, the country that you want to go visit. It became maybe the gathering that, like, how, how, how did you end up here? How did you end up coming here on, on this Friday? For many of you, the story will be interesting. You know, the, the story of how this all started is interesting. These events, even that's a whole interesting story. It was not planned. I did not have this plan four years ago, five years ago, that we're going to do this. It's crazy how this comes as a product and a result of what? Of a shutdown, of a pandemic that shut everybody up in their houses. What's the outcome? The result? This. How do you plan that? At the time of the pandemic, people are worried about what? A lack of social connection. Imagine that that became a means of social connection. How do you plan that? You could go on and on about the different stories and you know, situations in our lives that we really don't plan. But Al-Latif plans. And he brings them about in, in a way that in the moment we often never understand and realize. It's only if and when we reflect that we can put the pieces of the puzzle together. And that too is a blessing of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Yeah, that too is a blessing of Allah. Because Allah doesn't do that for everybody. Sometimes it happens though. Sometimes you sit there. You look back and say, SubhanAllah, like if I wasn't there that night, my life would look super different today. I would be studying something different, or I'd be living somewhere different, or I would, I'd be married to somebody different. Like the amount of things that hinge upon apparent spontaneous decisions we make. How many of you started studying Arabic from me? Based on what? How do we connect? It's crazy, like you, you cannot plan that. It's very interesting how things come together in our lives. And you could trace these things back, and, you know, further back, and you would just never end of like, my parents, your parents, they chose at some point to come to this country, or if they're born here, they're born here, somewhere along the lineage. Like, and that's how we're here. The grand scheme of things, it looks, it makes no sense how it all happens. Al-Latif does this. And he does it, now, now why does it go unnoticed? Here's a question. Why does it go unnoticed? When all these things happen in our lives, why does it go unnoticed? Because Allah does it with lutf, with gentleness. With gentleness. Now, you, you ever had something happen in your life that was like a sudden shock? Right? Like anybody ever had like a near-death experience? Or you've seen somebody with a near-death experience? Doesn't it shake you? 
Like, I've seen people like that. I've told this story before to some of you who took a class with me. Like, I had a friend. He lives in Atlanta. We went to the beach. I remember this. Like, from that day on, I never mess with beaches. Like, like, I go to beaches, but I don't mess with beaches. And trust me, you don't want to mess with beaches either. Anyways, went to the beach. This was in Durban, South Africa. So we're at the beach, and I'm just like, I'm not going to go deep into the water. I'm just not going to take no chances. There were waves and stuff. But he was like, he was the cool guy. So he's like, yo, I'm going to the water. He's like, you, you came all the way to the beach to sit on the sand? And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like, I'm trying to go home. You know, and he's like, let's do this. So he's literally taunting me and my friend from Chicago. He's taunting us. You guys, what are you going to come to the beach for? If you're not coming into the water. Right? You guys know what I'm talking about? Where people just go to the beach, but they sit on the sand the whole time. So he's going out there. And me and my friend start talking. saying, forget that guy, man. Like, he can do what he wants. And we kind of like ignored him. Right? Because he's doing his thing in the water. Let him do it. And then we just see like a lifeguard. He just jumps on his paddleboard. And he just goes vroom, 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 vroom over like the waves. He's flying towards. And we're like, what happened to this guy? And next thing you know, he pulls our friend. He like drags him to shore. And we're looking at him. And he's pale, like white. And he's already pretty white, but he was like super like ghostly white. And we're like, yo, what happened? He didn't even talk. He couldn't talk for like a few minutes. He just sat there. And the rest of the weekend, he was, he was a change man. Like nothing. We tried to tell him, let's go do this. Not interested. He was just like, he was really, like everything was so serious now. And he was actually the funny, one of the funniest people I ever met in my life. No exaggeration. One of the funniest people I ever met in my life. But that one experience right there changed him. Changed him. You know what I mean? Um, and he told us, he was just like, you know, I, he said, I'd given up. He said, you know, like, he said, I kept going out and the tide kept pulling me out. Until a point came where, sudden, and he didn't know how to swim. That's the thing, right? He didn't know how to swim. I know, I know you, you're thinking like, well, what are you doing? Right? But, but in his mind, in his mind, look, look, let me be fair here. In his mind, he's like, I'm not going to go that far out. Right? I'm just going to go until, so long as I can feel the bottom, I'm good. But you don't know where it drops off. So he's like, you know, I had my feet under me. I'm walking. And then suddenly I didn't. And he goes, so I started flailing. And he's like, I tried to call you guys. Me and my friend, like, we did not hear nothing. We thought you were just having fun. You know, people scream like, yeah. You know, we thought you were having fun. And I'm like, listen, there's nothing I could do for you anyways, man. Like, I'm not in any better position to come running out there to save you. You know? Um, so he's like, that's what he said. Wallahi. He said, you know, I tried to call out to you guys. And you didn't pay attention. And he's like, I went down, under. I took a deep breath. Pushed myself back up like one last time. Because like you're starting to run out of air. He's like, I let out one last scream. And I realized, that's it now. I don't have any more energy to come back up. My air is done. And he said, I literally gave up. Like, you know, you just kind of concede. I give up. I give in to death. He said, in my head, I said, La ilaha illallah, Muhammadur Rasulullah. He said, and, I, and that was it. And I just let go. And he said, he said in my head, I'm, he says, your whole life flashes through your head. In that moment, he's like, he's like, he's like I'm thinking to myself, really? Is this how I'm going to die? 
Because everyone thinks of like a noble death on the day of Jumu'ah, mashallah, in the masjid. He's like, I'm dying in Durban Beach? In the water? Oh man. And, and, and he's like, that was it. La ilaha illallah, and I'm done. And he said, I, I just put my hand, like, done. And he said, suddenly someone grabs my hand. And that was a lifeguard who saw him and came running out and grabbed his arm and pulled him to shore. And he said, if I weren't for the lifeguard, I'm done. And, and like, that lifeguard, I was thinking about it afterwards. That lifeguard probably went home, had dinner, life goes on. He doesn't realize he changed a life that night. It's just ajeeb. So suddenly, and, and so the man was changed. I remember, he, he was a changed man after that. My point is this. That's a, that's a very sudden, almost harsh way to wake somebody up in life. Do you know what I mean? So sometimes that's what happens. And you never forget that, right? It stands out to you. How many people will describe some event that took place, which was, which was shocking? And what happens? They say, from that day on, this changed. Right? So like we can kind of attribute like a, a causal effect. That I was like this, and one day this happened to me, and I was a changed person after that. Because it's so shocking that it stands out. But how many things happen in our lives gentle? That drastically change our lives. That go unnoticed. That go unnoticed. Like for example, who's in university still right now? Yeah? Uh, and, and next year you're going to be on campus, you're going to study again next year, like from the fall. So, who are you going to meet in the first year? From the first year, incoming first year students, who are you going to meet? You don't know, right? It's like you just wait. Let's see these little kids show up. Right? It's like, let me feel all big now, right? Like, fourth year. Right? Yeah, you're, you're the big kids now. And, and who are these little kids coming in? Let's see who they are. Let's meet them. You have no idea. Who knows what, who they may become? A friend of yours, someone that you mentor, someone that you make a, a, a profound... How many of you have been impacted by upper year students? At some, in some level where they gave you some advice or they helped you out with something? And probably they, they probably graduated, went on with life and, and your, your life's changed. But these things happen in a very subtle way. And as a result, we don't realize. We don't realize them. So, when we speak about Al-Latif, we're talking about the one who is gentle in his dealings with his servant. And he, he's very aware of the subtleties. He himself is subtle in how he deals with his servants, which is why so often it's not obvious what's happening to us. Only later on it becomes obvious many times how this led to that, right? This led, how many of you, here's an example. How many of you watched a show growing up that helped you in your studies later on in life? Anybody ever done that? I watched Dora and so that I could study Spanish. You know what I'm talking about, like that? Or you watch like Zabumafu and you're like a big fan of like uh, animals and stuff. You know what I'm talking about? Like you, you, something that you didn't really pick. You just you showed up one day on the TV or somebody turned it on for you and you became a fan. But it affected you later on. And later on you go, oh, that's why I'm so interested in this. Because at that age, you know, somebody turned on that show. Someone gave me a book. How about that? I've heard stories, so many stories like this. Yeah, someone gave me a book one day and that changed my life. I, and now from that day on, I was a big fan of that one subject. It's, it's really interesting how things impact us. And in the moment, we don't get it. 
And later on, when you look back, you're like, oh, that's, that's what it all was leading up to. Alright? So, when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, now, now, when Allah deals with His servants in a gentle and subtle way, Allah does, right? Allah deals with His servants in what He knows to be best for them. Now, you ever had somebody who tries to do what they believe is best for you, but they make a mistake? It might be a friend. It might be a parent. And we're not here to attack parents. Parents will often want genuinely what they believe to be what's in the best interest of the child. What's the mistake though? They don't know. So often they don't know what's in the best interest of the child. So often your friend doesn't know what's in your best interest. So when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks about himself being al-latif, he couples it very frequently in the Quran with al-khabir. The one who knows and has all information. What is khabar? Khabir comes from khabar. Khabar is like info and it's like the stuff that you hear from somebody. Allah knows all the information that is passed. He knows the info itself, the one who passed it, the one who it was passed to, what it's about. Al-Khabir. He knows it all. So when He makes plans for you and I, and when He brings things our way, it's always done in light of knowledge. Right? Now, I want to cover some ayat of Qur'an, where Allah Ta'ala speaks about the, the name Latif. And I hope, inshallah, we can take some lessons for, from, from these verses. The first I want to speak about is in Surah Yusuf, when Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta'ala, I hope, I hope most of us are familiar with the, the story of the Prophet Yusuf it's a, it's a long story. The story of when he was thrown in the well, and then he was sold as a slave. Um, and it's a long story. Ultimately, he ends up in a position of authority and power. The brothers who had plotted against him, they end up coming to him asking for help. And there's a famine. Ultimately, he reveals that he himself is Yusuf salam. They're shocked. They're shocked. Like, you literally went from the bottom of a well, a dry well. You went up to the position of authority over these lands. Shocking. Anyways, he tells them, and he had a dream at the beginning, right, where he saw the stars and the moon and the sun all prostrating to him. So he eventually, at the end of the story, when now things are settling down, he asks for his, uh, his brothers to bring his father, bring him to, to Egypt. And there's so much to talk about there, because them coming to Egypt how that lay the foundation for future generations and future prophets to be born there. I mean, that's a whole story. But anyways, the Qur'an says that when they entered upon Yusuf, when they finally reached and came to Yusuf salam, right? He asked his parents to sit on thrones and then everybody fell in prostration to him. And that's exactly the interpretation of the dream that he had saw at the beginning. So he tells his father, he says, يَا أَبَتِي هَذَا تَأْوِيلُ رُؤْيَايَ مِنْ قَبْلِ This is the interpretation of the dream that I had at the beginning. قَدْ جَعَلَهَا رَبِّي حَقَّ My Lord has made it a reality. He's made it come true. Now, here's, here's where I really want to take a moment to, 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 to draw our attention to something. 
Here, Yusuf begins to reflect on everything that happened to him. Everything that happened to him. That's the first lesson. When life happens, don't just let it happen. Try to sit at some point, and in hindsight, try to make sense of what happened. To the best of your abilities. And sometimes things won't make sense. And you won't know how to tie it up. Like, well, why did this happen? How did this contribute to that? I don't know, it just happened, kind of. You know, like, you don't have an explanation. Allah doesn't open up everything for everyone. But it's, a, it's something to do in life. To sit and reflect on how you know these people here. How you met them. Now, why do you want to do that? Why would you want to do that? Because life, number one, we begin to make sense of the life that we desperately seek to make sense of. And I've talked about this many times. Isn't that one of the most painful things? Is to not be able to make sense of a situation? Like what happened was bad, and then our inability to make sense of it is, is even worse. The lack of closure is painful. It's like, why? Why did it happen to me? Why would they do that? It's very painful. Oftentimes, in hindsight, in retrospect, you can make sense of many things. And so you can finally put some, you know, you can... You can tie different things together and, and make sense of it. That's one. Number two, it'll help you see how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala was guiding you and sending you goodness in different ways that we take for granted, like I said. That it's just normal. That just happened. You didn't just meet your best friend by accident, man. To look back and say, wow, how did I meet them? I'm so grateful for that. I'm so grateful for that. You know, like, really interesting how things... And like, I, I, when I was preparing for this talk, I was doing a lot of this. I was like thinking about so many things in my life. You know, and I was just like, wow. Life becomes wonderful. Full of wonder. You kind of go, wow. And, and something's happening to you right now. In your life, there's something going on. Why is it going on? You know, I don't know. What's it, what's it going to contribute to one month from now? I have no idea. But maybe a month from now you can look back and go, Oh, right. That I can start to see how this impacted me and made me who I am. And changed my life. And led to this. And you really don't know where things are headed. We really don't know where things are headed. And Sheikh Hamza Zurtzis, he says, or Ustad Hamza Zurtzis, he says, we have the pixel, and Allah has the picture. Which means we're like zoomed in in the moment. Like we want to be in the moment for sure. But don't, don't ignore the fact that this moment is part of a larger scheme that often will not make sense in the moment. It's like later on when you look back, it'll make sense. A lot of things will, will make sense and you'll, you'll be able to connect them. So what does the Prophet Yusuf begin to do? He begins to reflect. And interestingly, what, what do you think he could reflect on? What does he say? He said, وَقَدْ أَحْسَنَ إِذْ أَخْرَجَنِي مِنَ السِّجْنِ And he said, you know, my Lord, He's favored me. He's done so much good to me in that He took me out of the prison. I mean, if you know the story of the Prophet Yusuf you might think, wait a minute, oh Yusuf, alayhi salam, how'd you end up there to begin with? 
Who put you there? Right? Who gave you those brothers who were jealous of you? Allah gave you those brothers. Those brothers who deceived against you wanted to kill you. But you were saved by one brother's opinion to not kill you. Oh Yusuf, are you really going to ignore the fact that you were, you were made a slave? What about all that? That's not what Yusuf is focused on. He's focused on what? Allah took me out of prison. Why would he do that? You understand my question? That's not the beginning. The beginning of the story is not he was taken out of prison. The beginning of the story is just one we would call a series of unfortunate events. Right? Like one after the other. Thrown in a well, abandoned, sold as a slave, wrongly accused, then he's put in jail. How many things happen? Then the person who's supposed to like intercede for him forgets about him. Doesn't even mention him to the king. Hey, there's, there's a guy in prison. How does that happen? Why did he ignore all of those unfortunate events and just focus on the fact that Allah took him out of prison? Why would you do that? Why might someone do that? Any ideas? Graceful is one? Okay. But there's more to it. Is you can begin to understand how it all comes together. How everything contributes to where he is today. All of that had to happen for him to end up where he was. This is all part of a larger plan for him to end up where he was. Allah's plan. Now you might say, well, it could have happened some other way. It could have. But how do you know that's the best way for it to happen? How do you know things wouldn't have gone wrong? The way Allah plans things and brings them together, in retrospect, we will see so much of it is a blessing. And that's what the Prophet Yusuf is doing here. He says, He's, he's, he's done really good to me that he's taken me out of prison. Well, the fact also is that he came out of prison not of his own planning. How did he come out of prison? How did he come out of prison? It's one of those coincidences. You know what we call? The king had a dream. How do you plan that? How do you influence that? You can't. The king had a dream that he needed an interpretation for. And then he happened to have that guy in his service who was with the Prophet Yusuf And so then he's like, hey, I remember a guy in prison who can interpret your dream for you. And that's how he got him to come out. So he recognized that this was from the favor of Allah. And so sometimes things go wrong in our lives. And we feel pained about it. Not realizing that maybe that contributed to who we are, number one. Number two, to recognize that even in all of that, how many openings, you know, situations where we felt we were stuck and Allah opened ways, not because we deserved it or we did something for it. Allah out of His mercy opened that way. Out of His mercy opened that way. You ever been stuck on a question in an exam? And you just remembered it? Like it just came to you? Ever happened to you? No? Y'all are just like smart people. Like we don't forget, man. We talk about No, like it happens. You're trying your best. And you studied it too. And that's where it's like painful. It's like, dude, I, I remember studying this. But which one is it? And you're stuck. And then, you don't reason your way to the answer. It comes to you. 
You know, he said, it came back to me. Look at the, the wording. It came back. I, I didn't get to it. It came back to me. From where? From where? Allah, out of His mercy, opened that path. This, how many of you had epiphanies? You know what epiphany is? Where you read something, you're like, oh, that's what it is. You ever had that? How many people? No, you don't have no epiphany. Yeah, we don't read, man. We don't read like epiphanies. Like you got to read to like maybe have it, right? Um, maybe in life though, some experience. You're like, oh, you're that person. Oh, this is that connection. It happens all the time. No. You don't plan it. You don't like work for it. It happens. Thoughts arise. You ever had, you ever had like a really good thought? Where did it come from? It's a really interesting idea, right? Like where do thoughts come from? Sometimes you like you reason your way through it. Sometimes. But sometimes just sitting there and inspiration strikes. Right? You know like the creative artists talk about? How do you explain that? Kind of hard to explain how it just arises. Very interesting. It just happened recently to me with like just doing this one project. So one person out of the blue came up with this brilliant idea. I was like, how'd you do that? I don't know. It just came up to me. It came to me. It just happens. Allah opens these ways. And to recognize that amidst all of the other things, to recognize that goodness there. Then he goes on to say, He said, It's a blessing that you have come to me from the desert. Because they were living in like a desert area. He said, It's a blessing that you've come to me. Hold on. Whose blessing is it? Allah. He said, Allah has favored me in that He's brought you to me. Wait, whose blessing is that? Isn't it the blessing upon the brothers? That the fact that they're able to escape from the desert and come to the city, to finally be with their brother who's in, who's in authority, who can like take care of them, isn't the blessing for them actually? You understand my question here? Because he, he's living a good life, Yusuf salam. It's the brothers who are suffering, who are, who are in poverty. They actually came to beg from him. And he says, Allah's favored me, is that he's, in that he's brought you to me from the desert. How is that a blessing upon him? There's a big lesson here. A big lesson. The Prophet Yusuf understands. When others are favored, that favor often extends to us. And thus we must also be happy with the blessings and favors for others. You ever had a friend get a car? You know what I'm talking about? In like grade 12? When your friend gets a car? It's obviously that person's car, right? So it's like they're blessed to have the car. But you're also blessed. Why? Because you get to go with them. The blessings that happen to others often extend to us. No, really. It often extends to us. Right? Somebody gets a new job. Who eats? It's like, you eat, we all eat. Right? Yeah, who's done that before? Someone gets a new job, they're like, yo, first paycheck, it's on us. Huh? You ever done that? Y'all are nice people? You, you, don't, you don't grab your friends like that? Yeah. Um, yeah. And, he, and he's recognizing that. That the, it's surely, it's a, it's a blessing on the brothers that they're brought to him. But he also recognizes that he himself will enjoy their company. So he sees that as a blessing. In, in their happiness lies his own happiness. Wouldn't that be a beautiful thing? If we could be happy for other people's blessings? 
If we could be happy for other people's blessings, to recognize that when they have blessings, then they'll be less likely to come steal my blessings. Like It's a good thing that other people should have blessings. It's a good thing. And then, and then look what the Prophet Yusuf does. Subhanallah. He says, he says, Allah brought you to me from the desert. مِنْ بَعْدِ أَنْ نَزَغَ الشَّيْطَانُ بَيْنِي وَبَيْنَ إِخْوَتِي He says, after all that has happened. How does he describe everything that happened before? What happened to him before? What happened to him? The brothers did everything to him. They were the cause of almost all of his suffering. So what, what, what could he have said? Allah brought you to me. After everything you did to me. Isn't that what some of us would have said? You know, after everything you did to me, you know, I'm happy to see you. There's like a, there's like a cheap shot in there. Do you know what I mean? There's like a cheap shot in there. It's like, yeah, I'm happy you're here, but it's after everything you did to me. Like, you remind them of what they did. That's not what the Prophet Yusuf does here. That gracefulness, right? Because he told them before, لا تثريب عليكم اليوم There's no blame on you today. We're not going to scold you and rebuke you for what you did. You didn't know. You didn't, you didn't know better. So what does he say? He said, I'm happy, to, I'm happy that Allah has brought you to me after shaitan came and caused a problem between us and separated us. He blames it on shaitan despite the fact that he was the one in the darkness of the well because of his brothers. That he was the one in prison because of his brothers. Everything happened to him because of their jealousy. Yet he doesn't blame them. Then what, is, what does he say? And here's the point. He says, إِنَّ رَبِّي لِمَا يَشَاءُ Verily my Lord is latif with whomsoever he, he, he wills. He says, everything that I just, I just explained is because my Lord is latif. My Lord is latif. He's subtle in how he deals with his servants. He's subtle. How often do we not understand something and sometimes we kind of get agitated. But Shaykh, why would Allah do that? It's not obvious to us. And, we, and, and, and you know, you ever had a scholar tell you, you know, there's probably some wisdom behind it. You're like, what wisdom? Like, tell me the wisdom. It's like Allah is al-latif. His ways are subtle. Ways that we don't understand. And we cannot understand. We just don't have that foresight to see what the impact of this today will be 20 years from now. And that happens all the time. When you're five years old, it impacts who you are at 15 in so many instances. But you don't know that when you're five. As a parent, you don't know that either. You understand. And so, but Allah knows all of that. And so what Allah does is subtle. But it's always al-khabir. It's always with complete awareness and knowledge of what is happening now and where this will lead in the long run. If only we could take a moment like Yusuf salam to pause and reflect and try to see how it all adds up. And you know, honestly, if you do that, I promise you, every one of you could write like a fascinating life story. I'm serious, couldn't you? Every one of you would have like... You know, it's really interesting how I ended up. You might think like I'm like the normal person. I'm just, I did the whole average, go through the school system and now this, that, and I'm working. Simple. No, trust me, there's so much along the way that is really interesting. How many hobbies are you into now because you met some random dude? Do you know how I got into coffee? Oh, I should tell you this story. It's crazy. I got into coffee. You know where? In Pakistan. 
I know. I know. And, and I don't mean like coffee, coffee, like, 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 like instant coffee or, or like Tim Hortons coffee. I'm talking about like specialty coffee. You know, like, like the one that makes me sound very snobby. You know that one? Like, you know, like grinding your own beans and like, I met a guy, wallahi, I, random dude walked up to me and this was at like, a, this was, we're at this one place. And he walked up to me with a cup of coffee, and I tried it, and I was like, this is the best coffee I've ever had. Like, how, and he was from South Africa, in Pakistan. Like, what is happening? Right? And he brings me this coffee, and I'm like, wow, where did you find this? Because you cannot get this here in Pakistan. Like, not in, in your average place. And he pulls out like a can of beans, coffee beans. And he pulls out a hand grinder, and he's like, you know, I have a torch at home, and I roasted these at my house. I was like, holy smokes. And I did what a lot of you do to me. I said to him, oh, so like, you like nice coffee like Starbucks. <laughs> and he's like, astaghfirullah. Like, you, can, you, can, you know, like, and, and now I say that too, like, astaghfirullah, like Starbucks? And he just looked at me like, bro, you don't know coffee, you know? Let me, let me introduce you. And that was it. That was history. And I became the snob that I've become. Because of, of a guy in Pakistan, from South Africa. It's just interesting how, like, literally that's what I can chalk it up to. Before that, I knew nothing about grinding and roasting beans and stuff. You know, I'll tell you, like, we're in Turkey right now. We went to eat at this place. Crazy. This, you, just, you just add it all up. There was me. There was a guy from California. A guy from Virginia. A guy from Guelph. A guy from Malaysia. We all got together in Turkey, Istanbul, to eat biryani. Now hold up. And you know who owned the biryani place? A Palestinian guy. Bro, I don't know. Don't act, like, how do you make that happen? At some point, he went to Pakistan, spent some time there, loved it, came back, opened up a restaurant in Istanbul. And you have all these random people from all different parts of the world come together and we're going to have this Palestinian guy's biryani. Let's do it. Right? Like, how do you add these things up? When you look back, it's like, subhanAllah, how things come together for things to happen. Allah is Latif and we will not understand that. Not only is He Latif in how He makes things happen, He is Latif in His understanding of, of what happens. The insight. And, and, and I want to mention here now an ayah in Surah Luqman, where the Prophet or, 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 or the pious, wise man, Luqman, عن, when he's advising his son, and there's, there's a lot of advice in that surah, where, the, where Luqman, the wise, gives advice to his son. So in one of the verses, he says, Ya Bunayya, O my dear son. Ya Bunayya, this is, it's called the Ismut Tasghir. It can mean like, O small son, but it's often used in, in, for a sense of endearment, like, O my beloved son. Now, why is that important? It's important. Because the Quran could have skipped Ya Bunayya and just got to the, to the actual advice. You know what I mean? Like, but... There's a lesson for us, especially those of us who are parents. And it doesn't have to be only for parents. It could be any time. Before you give advice, make sure the person you're giving advice to knows that you care about them and you want what's best for them. Otherwise, why does why Luqman the wise say, Oh my dear son, my beloved son, why say that? Just, just give advice, go ahead. But he says, oh my beloved son. And, 
And it's, it's, the whole, that, that surah and all the advices in there, it's, it's, it's very profound for parents. But oh my beloved son, you know when you have a friend and you want to advise them, why do, here's a question, why do people listen to their friends often more than they listen to their parents? Whereas often, parents want what's best for their kids more than their friends. You know what I mean? You get what I'm saying here? You ever seen that happen? Where a parent's giving their child good advice, sound, like reasonable advice, and the friend is the one who's totally out there, gone. And they're like misleading their... But, and this person almost knows that what they're being told by their friend is not good, but they still follow them. And we ask, why? Because even though the advice is not good, they believe it's coming from a, right, from a, from, from a good place. And with their parents, the advice may be good. But they're convinced that my parents don't want what's best for me. They just want to protect their family name. Isn't that what you hear from kids? They just want to protect their family. They just care what people think. They want to be able to tell their, you know, their friends, you know, my son or my daughter is becoming a doctor. And so they ignore the advice because they don't believe it's coming from a good place. You see how important that is, guys? That when we give advice, the person listening must, must believe that we want what's best for them. Otherwise, why would they listen? And we all do it, eh? We all do it. Ideally, ideally, they say, لا تنظر إلى من قال. Don't look at who's saying something. Look at whether they're speaking the truth or not. And that's a very high level. Right? Most of us, we look at who's saying it. Right? That's why we say things like, who are you to say that to me? Like, it shouldn't really matter. If it's truth, it's truth. But you know how we are, right? It's like, we want to make sure that, is it coming from the right place? Like the prophet, the, the, the companion, Umar radiallahu anhu, he was famous for this. For being somebody who wouldn't really look at who's saying it. If it was truth, he was a person who stood by truth. There's a famous incident in the hadith where a man comes and disrespects the prophet sallallahu alayhi And there's so many ahadith where when that happens, Umar radiallahu anhu becomes enraged. He says, O Prophet of Allah, give me permission to chop this man's head off. Literally the words. Right? Give me permission to chop this man's head off. Like, let me kill him for his disrespect to you. So many times. Anyways, one man comes and disrespects the Prophet He tells him, you are not a person of justice. And the Prophet became upset. He said, if I'm not a person of justice, who's a person of justice? Who does justice? Umar was enraged. He wanted to like grab the guy. And so someone came to him and held him and said, Umar, Allah in the Quran says, The ayah basically says, forgive people, overlook people's mistakes, enjoin them to do good, and turn away from ignorant people. Oh Umar, this man is ignorant. Imagine, you know when you're like really angry? When people are really angry, and like, they'll fight like anybody who even tries to stop them from fighting. You ever seen that? Let me go. And they start fighting with the person who's trying to hold them back. You ever seen that? The hadith says, when, when he heard those words, he stopped. It's not like his anger would vanish. But he just controlled himself. <coughs> the narrator describes him as, كَانَ وَقَّافًا عِنْدَ كِتَابِ اللَّهِ He was a person who would stop the moment he would hear a command from the Qur'an. 
from the book of Allah. He would stop right away and, and, and do whatever the Qur'an says no matter how he was feeling. So I mean, that's a high level. We're not often like that, right? We look at who's saying it. And so Luqman the wise tells his son, Ya Bunayya, oh my beloved son, innaha in taku mithqala habbatim min khardal. Oh, it's such an interesting ayah. He says, if there's something that's the equivalent, the size of a mustard seed. How big is a mustard seed? I googled it. Y'all can Google it too. Does anybody have mustard seeds at home? Seriously? What do y'all do with it? You don't you make mustard? As you can see, I, I, I clearly cook a lot, right? No idea what people do with mustard seeds. So I don't know. So I had to Google it. It's like one to two millimeters. Not centimeters, millimeters. Allah says in this ayah, if there's something that small, and you place it in a sakhra, which is a boulder. So imagine, like this huge boulder. And somewhere in there you stick, you stick this mustard seed. Allah says, He can bring it out. Can you? Now think about how you're going to do that. How would you bring it out? In the time of the Prophet how would you do it? Try to crack it open, right? So, you, so you'd smash the boulder, it'd break into pieces, big pieces first. Split man, how are you going to split it? Right? <laughs> Boom! It goes into pieces. But it's like, it's like five big pieces. Okay, now we've got to break down each big piece. And you break that into like 10 pieces, small ones. Which small pieces it in? You can have a piece that's this big and still it could be in there, right? How long would it take you to find that mustard seed in that boulder? It'd take you ages. You'd probably give up before you find it. The Quran says if it's in a boulder, or it's in the heavens, you know, the skies, if it's in the earth, Allah says, Allah can bring it forward. Then Allah says, Inna Allah latifun khabir. These are the words of Luqman, his son. That if, if there's something that small, right, something that small, and it's in a boulder, or in the skies, or in the earth, Allah can bring it forth. Because Allah is Latif and Khabir. Now let's say you did find that seed, by the way. So you got down and you somehow discovered it's in this little piece. And so you broke it open. Well, what would you probably end up doing? Smashing it, right? You'd probably end up breaking the seed. So you did all that work to get there, and it's like, oh, it's broken now. Allah Ta'ala says He would bring it out. He doesn't say, He doesn't say, Allah, that Allah knows about it. He knows where it is. Allah says He can bring it out. We might not even be able, we might find it, but not be able to bring it out because we smash it. Allah is Latif. Subtle in how He deals with people. Now, Allah in the ayah doesn't tell us what it is that He is describing to be the size of a mustard seed. He said, Innaha, if it is the size of a mustard seed. It, what's it? That could be anything. That could be the little bad deed that you do that nobody sees. In the boulder of the darkness of the night behind closed doors. The messages that you send, all of that. Right? Allah sees that. Allah can bring that forth on the day of judgment. But it can also be for the good. The good that you do. The little good deed that nobody sees. Why? Because it's covered in a boulder of sins. How many of us feel like, yeah, that's kind of how I am? 
I have a boulder of sins and maybe I have like a mustard seed in there somewhere of some good deed that I did one day. Maybe I smiled at somebody, said salam to somebody. Maybe I made someone feel welcome. Maybe I introduced myself to like the new people at Wijah. Right? Like, I mean, that's, that's the little I got going for me. And nobody remembers it. Nobody, no, no, nobody notices it. Allah says He will bring that forth. And He sees that. He sees that. Your intention that's hidden deep in your heart that nobody knows. Allah sees that. The little good, the little that we do. Allah describes it as a seed. He doesn't say like it's a small pebble. Or, or a small diamond even. He says a seed. Because what do seeds do? What happens when you eat watermelon seeds in your stomach? You grow watermelons, right? Who's taught that? Huh? Yeah? And then until I ate some seeds and I was like, oh, nothing's happening. I guess I'm built different. No, I'm just kidding. Right? That's what humans do. Um, my point is that, what does, what does a seed do? It grows. Allah can take the little that you do, the little good, and grow it. And multiply the reward. In a way that people think it was a small deed. But it affects, the ripple affects. You, you made someone's day. They went home. They were good to their family. They were polite. That impacted the family. That repaired a relationship. Allah multiplies and grows people's rewards. And He can do that. And so that's something to think about. Allah is al-latif, the subtle, the gentle, the one who can take what we do. And He always sees what we do, what we do good or bad. And there's a lot of solace in that. A lot of comfort we can take in that. Do you understand what I'm trying to say here? That's why, you know, if you're going to do something good, don't ever think it's too small. Oh, it's not going to make a difference. You know, when I was in Turkey right now, Ustad Abdurrahman Murphy, he shared some, a beautiful quote, a really beautiful quote. He said, don't hold back the good deed that you, you're thinking about doing. Don't hold it back. You might be thinking about doing it and you're like, oh, it's not a big deal. It doesn't make a difference. So you don't do it. He said, don't do that. Don't hold back the good that you intend to do. Why? Because that good deed could very well be the answer to someone's dua. It could be the answer to someone's dua. Don't hold it back. You don't know how Allah will multiply. You think it's a small thing, so you just do it. Meanwhile, it changes somebody. It impacts them. I've heard so many stories of people living lives of drugs and so much. They come to the masjid, one man comes, puts their arm around them, said, hey, how are you doing today? How are you doing today? It was a long, and after a long time, this kid felt loved. Because the parents probably think, what the heck, my kid's a druggie, get out of here. <coughs> Everybody probably frowns upon them, tell them tell, they tell their kids, don't hang out with so-and-so, right? But there was a man in the masjid who put his arm around their shoulders and said, you know, I'm so happy to see you in the house of Allah. And that was it. From that day, the man was, the, the kid was moved. And then, you know, people don't realize, they, they, they go on. My point is, don't hold back the good that you're going to do. Now, the last thing, the last place that I want to mention, very briefly, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in Surah Al-Mulk, He talks about, this is interesting, He does not begin to list all the things that He knows. He's talking about what, what Allah knows, right? How he says, If you speak low or you speak loud, Allah knows. Right? 
Now Allah could go on to say, and Allah knows what you say and what you do and where you go and what you think and what you look at. And he could list it all out. And the list would really never end. Instead, Allah summarizes it with one rhetorical question. Subhanallah. Subhanallah. Allah says, Ala ya'lamu man khalaq? And you can translate this two ways based on man khalaq. Do you make it fa'il or do you make it maf'ul? Make it fa'il or maf'ul? One translation we could give here is Does he, mean Allah, does he not know the ones that he's created? That's what Allah says. It's a question. Does he not know? Does the one who's created not know his creation? Maybe Allah doesn't know about my pain. Does the Creator not know His creation? Allah asks. If anybody knows the creation, it's the Creator. <coughs> the other translation could be, the one who created, does He not know? Does He, does he not know everything, including His creation? <laughs> well, if Allah knows my situation, why is He not doing something about it? <laughs> His ways are subtle. Maybe you're not understanding it. Maybe you're not recognizing it. But rest assured, he's Al-Khabir. Whatever he does, it's in light of knowledge and full, complete. Complete knowledge. Complete wisdom. I want to finish mentioning how we live with this name. Number one, reflect on Allah's gentle kindness and how He brings things to us in the manner and when we need them. And when we need them. And really, you can only do that when you sit and reflect on your life and how things come together. You really can't plan it better. You really can't. And you'll end up really connecting so many things. Like, if you stopped at a traffic light, what would be different if you went ahead and didn't stop? You have no idea what your life would look like if you had not stopped at that traffic light. If instead you had gone ahead. Because life would have been different. You would have reached home at a different time. You would have seen people at a different point. You would have passed by different people. You see how much changes just from one traffic light? To pause and reflect. Number two, to be gentle with other people. I want to share with you some hadith. Where we're taught to be gentle, not just with people who are like boys and like besties. Be gentle with people who are not being nice. There's a hadith, Aisha radiallahu anha reports that a group of Jews, they came to the, to the Prophet and when they came to him, they said, "Assalamu alaikum, death be upon you. It sounds like salam, right? So they kind of said, "Assalamu alaikum, like, death be upon you. And Aisha, radiallahu anha, hearing this, she's like, what? What do you say? So she said, no. Wa alaikum assalam. But rather, death be upon you. The Prophet said, Ya Aisha, inna allaha rafiqun yuhibbu rifta fil amri kullihi. Said, oh, Aisha, indeed Allah is kind and gentle and He loves kindness and gentleness in all matters. When is He saying this to her? Was she technically wrong to say what she said? They're literally making dua against the Prophet She's defending him, just saying, no, whatever dua you made for us, we just make it back to you. And the Prophet says, be gentle and kind. Be gentle in that situation. In that situation, some of us would say, well, why are you going to be so soft for? Well, sometimes you got to stand up for yourself. It's like, there's a hadith that says, 
Never is gentleness in something except that it beautifies it. And it's never removed from something except that it blemishes it. And so, there's a hadith here, Aisha radiallahu anha narrates. She says, I was on a camel and the camel was misbehaving. So I began to beat it. The Messenger of Allah said, عَلَيْكِ بِالْرِفْقِ Be gentle, O Aisha. فَإِنَّ الرِفْقَ لَا يَكُونُ فِي شَيْءٍ إِلَّا زَانَهُ For verily gentleness is not in anything except that it beautifies it. وَلَا يُنْزَعُ مِنْ شَيْءٍ إِلَّا شَانَهُ And it's not removed from something except that it blemishes and disfigures it. Don't be beating your kids. I'm just kidding. <laughs> like, you know, like, like, be gentle with people. Be kind. Be, be soft. Even, in, even when they're wrong. It's easy to be kind when people are nice. And, oh, you gave me the piece of cake? Oh, thank you. I'll be gentle. Like, they give you cake, man. Obviously, you're going to be gentle. It's like when your kid's misbehaving at that time. It's hard. And the last thing um, is really just to take out some time daily. Or if not daily, you know, every few days. Just reflect on what's happened in your life. And try to think carefully about how it all comes together. And how this is Allah's plan. How it's Allah's plan. And how magnificent it is. And how, how blessed we are for all those things to come together in the way that they did come together for us. For us to be who we are, where we are in the situation that we are. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us tawfiq to reflect and to embody that gentleness and kindness. Ameen ya Rabbil Alameen. I apologize. I, I really went long today. Um, it's not usually what I do. Um, but this is a really beautiful name that I think carries so many lessons that I want to share. Uh, so I apologize again for going beyond. Please come back after Maghrib for the desserts. Please, inshallah. All right? Jazakumullah khair. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. أينما تكونوا يأتي بكم الله جميعا إن الله على كل شيء قدير